welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm Neem Spears, the Baby Chick, your host, and today we have Megan Quinn on our show. Megan is a best-selling author, wife, and adoptive mother. Author of romantic comedies and contemporary romance, Megan Quinn brings readers the perfect combination of heart, humor, and heat in every book. Today, we will chat with Megan about everything adoption and motherhood while balancing a career. Megan will also share how she found her own happily ever after through writing about happily ever afters. Let's welcome Megan to the show. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast, Chick Chat. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. I'm really looking forward to talking to you about all things adoption and motherhood. But first, we'd love to learn a little bit more about you. Can you tell us about you, your background, and how you ended up where you are today? Yeah. So I actually grew up in Southern California and I played softball my entire life and just kind of that motivated, goal-oriented type of person. I went to college on a full-ride scholarship for softball and Um, I was trying to major in business, which is really funny because I did not do a good job with it at all. (laughs) I ended up having to switch my major to human development, which was like what every athlete kind of (laughs) did. Not every athlete, just the ones who maybe were struggling a little bit. I graduated. I fell in love with my wife in college and I got a job right out of college at Special Olympics New York. And I worked there for about four and a half years. And never really thought of having a family, being a mom, anything like that. I was just kind of like, let's get this work going. And I was really like heavily into reading. I just got a Kindle. And so I was reading a lot. And my commute to work was an hour and a half one way. And this was before podcasts were popular and (laughs) all of the fun things that would keep you busy. I was thinking a lot about the books that I was reading. And then I started thinking up of these new ideas and like, what if this happened or that happened? And One day I came home and I was like, I think I'm going to write a book. My wife was like, okay, like do what you want to do. (laughs) Do what makes you happy. And so I wrote a book and it was terrible. Like just everything was edited poorly and took me a really long time to try to figure out like my voice and all this different stuff. But I wrote that one book and I was really proud of it at that moment and kind of launched my career into something a little bit more, but it it took a little bit as in, I would say, I think it was like three to four years before I was able to like really become a full-time author. And then the time came when we were, my wife was like, we have this bigger house. We should have kids. I was like, Ooh, I don't know. Like I've never really thought of being a mom. And so we decided adoption would be, you know, kind of the best thing. And We ended up adopting two kids and, you know, we're here in Colorado now and I'm writing full time, my little family of four. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. I was just going to ask you, like, did you always know you wanted to be a mom, but you're saying no. When was it that you were like, okay, yes, I do want to be a mom. Let's do this. My wife was the one who was born to be a mom and you could see it in her eyes and the way that she interacted with her little cousins and just kids in general. And I was always kind of like, nice to meet you, little small child. <laughs> it's just like, I wasn't super engaging with children. I thought like my niece, I loved my niece and I thought she was the best thing ever, but I never thought of myself as a mom. And it wasn't until three months after we adopted our son that I was like, oh, okay. Like this is a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's not going anywhere. He's mine. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, yes. That whole situation was like, we can get into that later. But when they say that attachment and bonding is like a real thing that adoptive parents struggle with, it's so, so true. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Because I even want to say like biological kids, I think sometimes people think, oh, as soon as you have the baby, you'll have this immediate connection. And for some people, sure. But for others, it's not like that. It takes yeah. a minute to really get to know this little person and know this role. And so it's comforting to hear that all walks of life, whether you adopt or have biological children or however, like it can take a second to really get to know that child bond, build that relationship. That's actually really comforting to hear that like you went through that too. And you probably have like a beautiful relationship with your children <laughs> now. Like they're still thriving and everything, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> very, very much so. <laughs> oh, well, I love that. And I was going to also ask, like, did you always know that you wanted to adopt, but you're said, like, no, I, I didn't know that I wanted to always be a mom. So what was it that made you and your wife decide like, oh, adoption was the right choice for your family? So we both, I mean, let's just be honest, neither one of us wanted to be pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, there you go. You know, I have worked as a birth doula and as a postpartum doula, and I've had many same-sex couples and some women really do want to go through the whole experience and some are like, nah, not for me. So that's really kind of reassuring. <laughs> also, like both of you are like, nah, <laughs> don't want to do that. We didn't really want to like go into that. And then it was also the aspect of helping a child. We had the opportunity to help a child. We thought that was important for us and like our souls and our journey. You know, everyone is different and no way is the right way. It was just the way for us and the way that we wanted to go. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And would you mind sharing with us? I know you say you have two beautiful children. Like, can you share with us your adoption experiences with your children? It's a very interesting story, actually, because so once we decided that we were going to adopt, we found an adoption advisor here in Colorado who works with states. She's retired now, but who works with states that are more favorable towards the birth parents. So, you know, sometimes in adoption, you can adopt a baby, but there's like this three month waiting period, like in Colorado, a three month waiting period. And you could be mothering that child for three months. And then the birth parents could come back and be like, no, we made a mistake. We want the baby back. And so we knew as a couple, that's not something that we could truly go through. The advisor we're working with works with states that the, the laws are more favorable. We went through the whole like home study and all of that stuff, which was really stressful, but our social worker was amazing. I love her so much. <laughs> we invited her to like our kids' birthday parties and stuff. And she was such a wonderful resource to have and helped us through the process. And then once we were fully home ready approved, I can't, remember the terms anymore. It's been so long. Once we were approved to adopt, our advisor would send usually like maybe an email once or twice a week of a list of birth moms who were looking for adoptive parents. And so we had to make these little booklets of our lives and like who we are. And that was like my specialty. I'm the creative one. So I'm like putting all the pictures in the right spots and talking about our family and, you know, all that different stuff. And it was working for a national governing body at the time. And so a national governing body is 
any sport that's under the Olympic umbrella. So like USA Gymnastics is a national governing body for the Olympics. And so I was working for one of those. I won't say who. <laughs> I was working for one of those at the time. And we would get these emails and I would we would look through them. And a lot of the birth mothers, and this is their own preference and there's nothing against anyone's choice and what they want. A lot of them did not want same-sex couples. And then if they did, they wanted male-male. They never wanted female-female. And we asked our advisor about that. We're like, what's going on? And she said a lot of the birth mothers prefer to be the only mom in the child's life. We were like, oh, okay. Like, once again, teach their own. We're not here to judge. It is what they want. So it took us quite some time to like, given the fact that we had maybe one or two emails every week for a year of like, with multiple birth mothers looking and like, not many. I think we were able to apply to maybe three or four. There weren't many that we could apply to at all. It was getting towards the end of the year of 2015. And we applied to this one mom and the mom accepted us. And we were like on cloud nine. And I'm in the middle of a meeting at my work And I get a text from our advisor because I'm like, oh my God, we're picked, we're picked. And it was like, I want to say, I don't know, like a few days after the birth mother changed her mind. And it was the most devastating thing, I feel like, because like we've been waiting so long to like be picked or to one, be able to apply to any like birth mom. And then to even be picked, we were like over the moon changed her mind. And it was so devastating. And after that, like my company was like, well, we need to know what your birth plan is moving forward. Because when you do get picked, we want to make sure that what's going on. And if you need to be out of the office, what's your, I didn't have any paid, what's it, maternity leave really. It was just not great situation. And my wife's staff just started a new job. And so I was like, well, this, I turned to my birth plan and I said, this is what I would appreciate. Like if I could work from home, because our advisor said for the first year of the adoption, you have to basically try to stay home and not do daycare so that the attachment and bonding can happen, you know, cause it could get confusing. And so we were like, okay, like we're dead set on staying home, all of this stuff. So I turned in my adoption plan, went on Christmas break, came back. It was January 11th, 2016, where I was called into HR and they fired me. Oh my God. And they told me that. And meanwhile, during all of this, I'm still writing. I'm like releasing a few books. It's helping pay for the adoption. It's like helping, but it's better to have a job that's reliable. (laughs) They told me that I wasn't performing well. And I was like, I don't understand because you just gave me a bonus a week ago for performing well. I'm not one to like make a stink. (laughs) So I was like, just hand me my box. I need to get out of here. This is humiliating. (laughs) And so I gathered my stuff. I left. I went back home. I cried, obviously. And then I immediately applied for unemployment because I was like, I don't know. And then I called my advisor and I told her, I was like, I'm so sorry. I got fired today. Is this going to like affect the adoption? Like what's going on? And I was like, I, I applied for unemployment, you know, just so we have some like money coming in. And she was like, immediately call 
right now and take that off your record. You cannot collect unemployment when you're adopting because the state won't give you a baby. I was like, uh, okay. So like I spent two hours on the phone with the unemployment office and was like, please take me off the unemployment. <laughs> like, this is like, I'm trying to adopt a baby and this is a mistake. Like, please don't put it on my record. And so they like, obviously were really great about it and took it off. But then at that point, I kind of was like, I can't start a new job because we can't do daycare. We can't do all this stuff. Steph just started a new job. So she can't take the time off. Mm. I was like, I don't know what to freaking do. And so I was like, I guess I'll just make this author thing work and like really try to like put myself out there and go hard on marketing, go hard on writing and put all of my efforts into that. And I decided the next day on January 12th, that's what I was going to do. And then 11 days later, we were a match of a birth mom. Oh. And the birth mom like had a conversation with us, picked us, was like fully invested in like our story and us as a couple. And she actually has a niece who's a lesbian who was like, you need to pick these ladies. Like you need to like give them a shot or whatever. That was like how we were initially chosen. <laughs> oh my gosh. What highs and lows and all the twists and turns I can only imagine like what you guys went through, but, and then when that happened, like what happened now I need to know I'm (laughs) invested in this story. So you got chosen (laughs) and then what happened? As an adoptive parent, when you're chosen, you're like, here we go. We're in for the road, the long haul. You have to pay all these different lawyer fees and then you get these weekly stipends you have to pay the birth mother and all this different stuff but before all of that happened the birth mother wanted to have a conversation with us to make sure that we're the one <laughs> and I don't think I've ever told this story but we set up a time to call and the time came and Steph and I were sitting on the couch there was like no sound in the house at all and we're sitting like shaking, like with the phone and like on speaker and it's dialing and we're both so nervous because we're like, we want to make a really good impression on this lady. <laughs> Let her know we're good people. She answers and she's like, hello. And we're like, hi, Steph and Megan here. <laughs> she said something like, we thought she said, I'll call you back. And we we're like, okay. And so we hung up and then we just kind of sat there and we we're like, okay, what? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? And so we waited. We waited and waited and waited. The phone call was at eight. And then we waited until I want to say 11 at night. And it, <laughs> it, and she's in Florida. And we were like, what's going on? And then she texted us and was like, are you going to call? And then we were like, wait, we thought that you were going to call us back. <laughs> it was, and so she was like, no, I was waiting for you to call. And we we're like, oh, my God horrified, absolutely horrified. And we're like, well, it's really, really late. And so we decided to call the next morning or she decided to call us the next morning. Steph's getting ready for work. I'm getting changed. We're both in our sports bras and I get a phone call from the birth mother. I'm like, Steph, Steph, she's calling. She's calling. What do we do? And so it's like, I don't know. I'm in my sports bra. Like, what do we, like, what do we do? So we like sat down in our son's like future room that nursery that we have like all set up and ready to go. And we sit down and we're like in our sports bras in his room, just like, hello. (laughs) And she talked to us and it was a great conversation. And she's like, well, 
I hope you guys are ready. She's like, because you're going to be mom soon. That's when we like realized that like this is actually happening. That was in January. And then he was born in May, the end of May in Florida. And my wife's brother lives in Florida in the Orlando area. And we knew that she was doing some things that might have made the baby come early. And so we were like, we want someone to be there. And so I'm doing my writing thing. I'm like trying to really, you know, get things moving. And so Steph's like, why don't you just go stay with my brother early just to make sure that someone is there in case she delivers early. And so I was like, okay. So I went a month early and I stayed there for a month living with her brother and his girlfriend and like we became, it was so awkward at first that I was like, and, but it was great for me because I love observing people. So I would just sit in the corner and watch their like relationship interact and like taking notes for like future books. <laughs> like This is great stuff, guys. Keep it going. <laughs> but she didn't give birth until like a month later. So I stayed with my brother-in-law for a good solid month. And he's not like, I'm a super talkative as you can tell. I would ask him just, I don't like awkward silences. So I would keep asking him all these questions. And at one point he's like, you know, Megan, it's okay not to talk. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like, I don't like awkward silences. <laughs> but it was a good time before everything happened with the actual birth, which was crazy. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine. And with your second adoption, was it just as crazy? Did you have those same experiences when you were deciding, okay, let's adopt another child? Or was that a lot smoother-ish of an experience? (laughs) I don't know how many people know this, but we adopted a boy and then our daughter has the same biological parents as our son. So they're full blood siblings. That's amazing. We were set to just have the one child. We were like, this is it. (laughs) Family of three, here we go. We didn't want to go through the adoption process, although like very magical at times, also very stressful, very hard, a lot of heartache, so much stress and anxiety that like if you go into adoption, prepare yourself for it not to be a magical thing. There are magical moments that you can hold on to that you will cherish forever but there's a lot of times of absolute just hardship. And so we were like, we don't want to do that again. Like we're good. One is good. Our son was two and a half and I was doing my hair, I think. And Steph comes into the bathroom and she's holding a cider, like an alcoholic cider in one hand and, (laughs) and a bunt cake from like nothing bunt cakes in the other. And it's like noon. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what's happening? And our son's like napping or whatever. And she's like, got an email from our lawyer today. And I was like, what do you mean? What lawyer? (laughs) And she was like, our adoption lawyer. And she said, our birth mom has another, is pregnant again and wants us to take the baby. And I was like, um, what now? (laughs) Because like, we obviously weren't expecting that. And the craziest thing of all of it, as I want to say like two to three months before the email, we're living our best life as a family of three. We're like not even considering. I wake up one morning and I'm like, oh my God. Steph's so like, what? And I'm like, I had the craziest dream. And she's like, what was the dream? And I said, I had a dream that we had a daughter and she looked just like our son. I was like, it was so real. 
And like, I like woke up like truly believing that like this was something. Lo and behold, I have a daughter and they are identical. They look just alike. But her adoption was a little bit harder, crazily enough, just because I think there were more challenges on this one. The birth mother knew us and knew what to ask for certain things. And we'll always cherish everything that she's given us. But there are a lot of, it's like a toxic relationship at some points, just because I think there's like a lot that you can ask for as a birth mom. And it's stressful as the adoptive parents. And like, I get it. I get both sides. And so neither of it's right or wrong. I just think for us, it was a lot more stressful for our daughter. And that one was like a tougher one to swallow. But we're grateful. We have two of the best kids ever. And they're so creative. They're so funny. They're incredibly smart. They're six and four right now. And our son is testing like above a second grade level. And our daughter is so freaking funny. Just her comedic timing for a four-year-old. I'm like, good job, girl. Good job. (laughs) She's incredibly (laughs) smart. She's reading already. And you know, they have a great life with us and I'm very grateful for them. Oh my gosh, Megan, that was so incredible. Thank you for sharing your story of becoming a family of four. It sounds like it was a lot for for both (laughs) you and your wife, but obviously totally worth it. But yes, a lot. And in the midst of like starting a new career, (laughs) which I want to ask (laughs) you, like building a new career while adopting for the first Mm -hmm. time it had to have been stressful. Can you talk to us about like how you managed this transition during this life-changing process? It was actually really hard. One of my books is based off of sort of that realization of it all. And because I am, I don't know if you pay attention to Enneagrams, like personality types. I'm a bit familiar. Yeah. So I'm an Enneagram three, which is the uh, like goal-oriented. A goal-oriented, like yes. striving for the best <laughs> overachiever. I'm a three exactly. and a two, wing two. So <laughs> I feel you, girl. Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so like your worth is based off of what you achieve, what successes you achieve. Exactly. And so my wife was the one who was really truly supposed to be a mom. And I jumped on board and was like, let's do this thing. When we had the baby, she could only take a week off because she started her new job. And so I was at home with this baby (laughs) and I was very like out of body experience. Cause like when we, the day that we were bringing home our son, the birth mother signed the papers and Our adoption advisor has told us she has never in the many years that she has done adoptions ever heard anything like this. So the birth mother called us into the room after she signed the papers. Usually when that happens, things are separated. The adoptive parents go with the baby. The birth mother does her own thing. Grieves, does what she needs to do. And she called us into the room. So we're like, okay. So we went in there. And we got to watch her say goodbye to the baby. (laughs) And I have never seen anything more gut-wrenching in my entire life. I can still see it all in my head. She put him in his going home outfit. She combed his hair to the side. She put him in his car seat. And she handed the car seat over the whole time. She had a photographer clicking, taking pictures of it all. 
I'm bawling in the corner because I have never, you don't ever want to see a woman give up their baby. It is truly devastating. That's all I could think about afterwards. You know, my wife was kind of celebrating the adoption and I was grieving for our birth mother. I would cry spontaneously all the time. Like Steph truly thought like, she was like, are you going to be okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I can't get over this. It was just so hard for me, which made it even harder for me to try to bond with our son at first. I was at home with him and Steph would go to work. And I, in the back of my mind, am still thinking I need to work. I need to make something of myself. I need to provide because, you know, it can't just be Steph. Like we need two incomes here. And so I was struggling between trying to be a good mom and struggling to try to be a good businesswoman. And they kept clashing over and over. And I had such a hard time bonding with my son. And it took me three months to truly believe that I wasn't some lady who's babysitting another woman's child while trying to run a business. It wasn't until one morning that Steph took him and I slept in. And I went downstairs and he was in his swing. And he was like doing his thing with the little like... (laughs) music that like plays on those swings that you're like at first you're like oh wow that's like a nice tune and then you start like really memorizing it like (laughs) (laughs) and then you start like coming up with lyrics with like the song (laughs) and I go downstairs and I look at the swing and I'm like hey buddy you know like good morning and he looks up at me and he smiles and I was like oh my god I matter to him like I matter. (laughs) And that was the first time I was like, Oh, he's my son. Like this is, I'm a mom. Like this is something that's real. After that, it was more about experiencing those moments with him while trying to run a business. And that was very hard and challenging. And we had him in May, December. I cried the entire month. And I didn't think that like postpartum was a thing for adoptive parents. Oh my, I, it, it hit is. me so hard, so hard because I was really trying at this point because I am someone who comes from a sports background. I am someone who has built their entire life of, off of accomplishing goals. And so I have these goals set for myself of building this business and becoming this author and all this different stuff. And I have to take care of this child and not to say it in a horrible way, but this child kept getting in the way of me trying to accomplish what I need to accomplish. And I just went into the state of depression that I cried for the entire month of December. And Steph was like, I understand that you're going through something really hard right now. She's like, but you know, we need to figure this out. Cause like, you can't keep crying in front of the baby and you know, all of this stuff. And it took me a while. It took me writing a book about it to like truly get past those emotions and figure out what's going on and find the rhythm. And once I found that rhythm, of taking care of him and figuring out that, hey, when he's doing this, I can do this and I can work and I can do these 20 minute increments of work and then set the timer and then focus on him for 20 minutes and then focus on myself for 20 minutes and when he's napping. And I really found this rhythm that allowed me to feel satisfied as a businesswoman and accomplished, but also feel truly like that mom that I never thought I was supposed to be because I was able to be there for him and do the things that he needed from me. And he would like sleep on my chest while I was writing. And we just found this like 
really great cohesiveness together. (laughs) I feel like I can relate so much to that because I'm a businesswoman. I have two kids of my own. I own my own business and Mm -hmm. there is no maternity leave when you own your own business. (laughs) Literally, I pushed out my kids and I was like, and back to work. All right, where's my computer? And you really do. You figure out how to like make it work while you're taking care of this tiny human. And I totally relate to a lot of what you said. And I think a lot of women can too, because more and more women are getting back into the workforce. And especially in America, we only have like a couple weeks <laughs> off for maternity yeah. leave. So yeah, that's, oh my gosh. It's interesting to hear it also from an adoptive parent's perspective that you guys are going through the same exact thing. So that we have a lot more in common than we think when we're, you know, taking care of our little ones. And I'm curious, Megan, like, how do you think the adoption impacted your career success? I think a lot of it has to do with having the baby has made me more regimented and scheduled and not so like up in the air, what I should do. You know, time is precious as a mother. Time for yourself, for your business is precious. And so if you don't capitalize on that time, then you're not going to be able to accomplish the things that you need to accomplish. And having our son at first, because once he was 18 months, my wife was able to quit her job and I was able to provide for the family. So she was able to take on the role she was supposed to be this whole time. (laughs) And I was able to do the quote unquote breadwinner work. But that initial first 18 months, it really set the groundwork for me to be like, hey, let's focus. You need to become scheduled and you need to figure this out and make it work for you. And I truly believe, because I still... To this day, I have a little timer on my desk and it's set for 20 minutes and I'll do 20 minute increments of work and I get stuff done quickly because I know that within that 20 minutes, it's so important. I need to focus on what I'm focusing on and then I can enjoy. My daughter will come in after preschool. We'll hang out for a little bit. You know, I eat every meal with my family, you know, and I still get the kind of stuff that I have to get done during the day because I learned from that early start that if you spend quality time on work for a certain amount of time and then spend the rest of your family and with your kids or, you know, 20 minutes here, 10 minutes there, then you will have success. And it's true. It's really honed in my ability to write fast. And I do credit like a lot of my discipline on having kids. (laughs) (laughs) being a mom. Oh my gosh. Yes. We learn how to be total multitaskers and achieving all the things (laughs) very quickly. So yes, I can totally understand that. But that's so awesome that, you know, sometimes moms will be like, I don't feel like I can. And sometimes I think that they, I hate to say, you know, they quit, but they do, they stop because then they feel like they can focus on just one thing. But if you don't give up and keep pushing yourself and ask yourself, like not, I can't, but how can I? And Mm -hmm. figure out your new normal. You can achieve so much more than you think you can. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. Yeah. I really just think it comes down to what everyone's trying to accomplish and what kind of time you can invest. Because I do have people come to me who say, how do you do it? You're a mother and you also write. And granted, I have one of the best partners ever, you know, and I'm so grateful for her, but also she was at work for the first 18 months and I really had to figure it out myself. And 
it comes down to I can do these little increments of work while the kid is doing something else. So like, even if like you put them in the bouncer, right? You're like, you know that you can get a solid 10 minutes of that kid at the bouncer. (laughs) And what can I do within those 10 minutes? I can make a few social media posts. I can edit 10 pages, whatever I can do within those 10 minutes. And it's hard to tear away your eyes from the cute baby bouncing. (laughs) But you know, I really just think it comes down to like what you're looking for and what you're trying to accomplish and training yourself because there's no way I was ever near where I am today. You know, it took me a while to find that discipline and to appreciate the time that I did have and to not be tough on myself if I missed, you know, if I didn't get that 20 minutes in, you know, it's okay. Our mind wanders. And as long as you're trying and you're trying to train yourself, then I think you know, you could pretty much accomplish anything. That's so cool. Oh gosh. It's safe to say, I think you're saying that your family is complete right now. Four and you're good, right? <laughs> four. We're four and we're done. We, we're out of diapers. We're out of all that stuff. Traveling is so much easier. It's just <laughs> so much easier. We're done. We're not going back. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I'm curious, Megan, like how do you talk to your children about adoption or do you talk to them about it. We do. We're very, very open about it. Our advisor was going through this process. We found the best adoption advisor and we found the best social worker. I don't know how we were blessed completely, but our adoption advisor was also an adoptive parent and was very honest with us and said, you need to be transparent with your kids. I mean, it's kind of obvious because we're two white women with two biracial kids. And so it's kind of like, you know, the general, like, normal family. We're not that. So I think it would be very obvious anyways. But, you know, from the very beginning, we have talked to our kids about them being adoptive. We celebrate their adoption days, their birthdays and their adoption days. It's every year we do something special to make them feel special, to let them know that it's a special thing. It's not something that you should be ashamed of or anything like that. And so they're very open and honest. They know who their birth mother is, We don't have contact with her. We just send her like a yearly update with pictures, but that's, they, they know her name. They know the process and pretty much everything. So never hid anything from them. Mm. I feel like that's such a wonderful and brave thing to do because I can, I'm sure as a adoptive parent, it can be scary to talk about that kind of stuff because you don't want your kids to say they want to meet or be with their birth mother or something like that. But that's such a wonderful thing because I agree. It's something to be so proud of and what a wonderful blessing. Yeah. Our son actually asked Steph one night why his birth mother didn't want him. And Steph handled it with such grace. And she was like, buddy, it's not that she didn't want you. It's that she loved you so much. She knew she couldn't take care of you and couldn't keep you. And that's why she allowed us to adopt you. And Steph was like, his face like lit up and he was like, so she loved me. Steph's like, yeah, she loved you very much. She loved you so much that she gave you to us so that we could take care of you. So that was, you know, very settling to him because I couldn't imagine what that feeling might be for a child, you know, and he's very smart. He's very much older for his age, I think. (laughs) And so for him to ask such a poignant question about the love of his birth mother and stuff to handle it so well, I think is the perfect way 
to kind of do that. And even though we've had our ups and downs with the birth mother, she will always, always, always be put in a good light in our household. So that's not something she ever needs to worry about. That's great. And Megan, what do you wish more people knew about adoption? I probably would say how much not only the adoptive parents have to go through, but the birth parents. It's a community of sorts when you go through it. You know, our first adoption, it almost felt like when we were sitting there in the hospital for those three days, it felt like three moms taking care of of a little boy, you know? And I think there's a lot that other people don't know, you know, about the home study and the background checks, the physicals, the tests. There was so much we have to go through as adoptive parents to take home a child that, you know, parents who just get pregnant together don't even have to think about. I truly believe that there's just so much behind of what we do in order to have a baby. And I think it's important for everyone to kind of acknowledge everything that everyone has to go through. I I think it's important. And so, especially that bond with the birth parents. Mm, I totally agree. Oh my gosh. And I want to know, how do you balance motherhood and your career now? Because obviously you're this successful author now. Congratulations with all of your books. Like what are the biggest challenges and like, how do you overcome them? So the biggest challenges would definitely be me setting aside the millions of things going on in my head, storylines, plots, conversations. I People talk about how authors have conversations in their head. It's a real thing. <laughs> and being able to block that out and the constant chattering and the needs from the agents, from the publishers, you know, just PR, like everything. And being able to look my child in the eye and say, how was your day? What did you do today? Who'd you play with at school? What did you play? Like really trying to focus in on them and give them that eye contact and give them the need of that comfort from a mother. And it's so hard because you have so many things going on. But every night at dinner, we sit there and I'm always done between like four and five with work. Kids are home. We want to make sure that we have some time together. And like, what was we say, what's your sunny and stormy of the day? You know, making sure that we catch up with the kids and they're just six and four now. They're not like teenagers who are grumbling. But I think setting the standard now as they're young, letting them know that like I'm here and turning everything off in my head so that I can like listen to them. I think that's so important and something that I struggle with, but something that I'm like, Megan, focus, like focus on on what's going on in front of you. (laughs) Yes. I think that's so true. For every mom, we have a running list of everything going on in our brains. And sometimes Mm -hmm. just to turn it off and be fully present, that is the best thing that we can do. So good to know we're not the only ones struggling with that. Megan, you you have that too? (laughs) All right, good. (laughs) And what advice or tips would you give someone going through the adoption process or considering adopting? I would definitely find someone that you bond with that could help you through the process because having that adoption advisor was the best thing that Steph and I did. We were able to contact her whenever we were feeling sad or had questions or just needed to get something off our chest. I think finding someone like that is so vital to the process. 
having a solid community around you as well. So friends, family, people who can be there by your side for the ups and downs. It's just very, very important. And I think keeping your expectations low and your hopes low so that when things do happen, you have that moment to celebrate. But if something's taken away, you're not entirely crushed. You will be crushed, but it's not. If you keep things low, like when we were going through the process and we were matched up into his birth, I was telling myself, you are matched. He's not your kid. When I saw him in the hospital for the first time, he's the cutest kid ever. He's not yours. It wasn't until she signed the papers and we knew because Florida is a state that once they sign, there's no going back. So when she signed, then I was like, okay, he's yours now. Obviously, I had like a little bit of a different situation. With our daughter, it was more like that. <laughs> our son, I was still mourning. I was like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> um, but with our daughter, you know, I didn't, I didn't get my hopes up. I just went through the process day to day. And then when she signed the papers, I was like, she's yours. She's all yours. Because if once you become attached and something happens, it is brutal. So, you know, I think just going through the process and keeping a steady head I think that's probably some of the best advice. <laughs> ah, that is such great advice. Thank you for sharing that. And Megan, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, I don't really think so. I mean, I think we kind of touched upon everything. I truly believe that no matter what your journey is, if you are adopting, if you're having a kid of your own, if you're struggling and you're going through, you know, IVF or treatments like that, you know, I think there's always a journey and there's always a plan for everybody. And I think it's hard to say it, but enjoy the ride because you only have one chance at life. And so you want to make sure that you enjoy every aspect of it, even the highs and lows, because the highs are, you know, what give you joy, but the lows are what build the foundation for you to grow. So I think you have to kind of take in both and grow with both. Mm. Beautifully said. The author coming out in her. <laughs> so true. Oh. And Megan, where can our listeners find you? I am on Instagram as Megan Quinn Books. And if you want to watch embarrassing TikToks, I'm on there as well as author Megan Quinn. I don't dance, okay? <laughs> not, not that person. And then I am also on Facebook as author Megan Quinn. So those would be my socials. Amazing. Yes. And all of the books. I mean, tell us how many books you've now published. Where can people find your work? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> that too. I have over 60 books at this point, which is crazy to think. The one book that is sort of like my adoption journey, um, if people ask, it's called Dear Life. And it's a romance, contemporary romance with all the feels. I have so many people who have gotten tattoos from that book, which is like the most endearing thing ever. But you can find everything on Amazon. And then come this fall, you'll be able to find some of my books in like Barnes and Noble and Target and things like that. So look out for those. <laughs> Very exciting and so well-deserved, Megan. Oh my gosh, this was so much fun and really just fascinating hearing all about your story, Megan. Just thank you so much for your time and for sharing everything with us. Thank you for having me. 
Oh, it's our pleasure. And for our listeners out there to learn more about Megan, you can visit her online at authormeganquinn.com. As she said on Facebook and TikTok, she's not dancing for you, at <laughs> Author Megan Quinn, and on Instagram at Megan Quinn Books. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments about our discussion, please share them with us in the comments section. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us an honest review. Cheers to find finding your happily ever after.